Good morning everyone, hope you're well. Yeah, this week's guest was Anya Sutton. Um, I met Anya whenever we became the sponsors of Queen's University Triathlon Club. Now, Anya works a lot with psychology and she's actually studying at Queen's University at the minute. So I'm not going to say too much about, you know, what she's done in the past or studied uh, because we obviously chat through that in the podcast itself. So have a listen, uh, let me know what you think and enjoy. And we're rocking. How are things? (laughs) (laughs) So Anya, how are you doing today? I am doing good. Today is my first day so I gave up coffee for the day yesterday because I was very busy and the busier I get the more coffee I drink and the less I sleep so I had uh, an intervention and gave up coffee for the day yesterday oh no so I had one coffee this morning and it was just like it was just like the breath of life it was wonderful do you know what I'm having right now this is a Ferrero Rocher latte oof Ooh, yeah, been very good to yourself. We used to whatever <laughs> was it last year? What we used to have fun day Fridays where we just had sort of treats. Oh, love! So we did. So I just seen that over there today, and I thought, yeah, let's yeah. have that. That sounds good. We I was off coffee last week because I was doing it as part of that carnivore diet. Oh yeah, yeah, good for you. After two days, no, no, it it's was hard. it was torture. Yeah, absolute torture. I'm trying to stick to one cup of coffee a day in the morning because I usually go to the gym first thing, and it really makes me enjoy my session in the gym more and anthon any coffee after 12 o'clock just is detrimental yeah. to my whole my brain just goes too fast but you're doing a lot of studying right now yeah what are you studying i am so i'm studying i just started a doctorate in child edu- and educational psychology um in queens so this is my third month in belfast um and it's been absolutely brilliant i know i do have to say that but i actually do like i've been very lucky and i've met some really great people yeah. so far you know and i feel like i've kind of really fallen on my feet up here and oh, i'm really great. enjoying the course and where are you from i'm from wexford wexford the southeast of ireland excuse me yeah, yeah. very nice yeah. now the reason we've obviously met is through platinum training institute mm-hmm. we are now sponsoring the queen's triathlon club this is it yeah so that's obviously where i met you the first day was the photo shoot shall we call oh, it yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was and you came straight over and introduced yourself which was great and yeah. then we found out that you were teaching yoga yeah as part of it so i obviously went to your yoga class you did. two three weeks ago oh. whatever it was i can't remember <laughs> absolutely loved it absolutely Good. loved it now, so maybe in six foot three yoga <laughs> is not really <laughs> you know yoga is for everyone it's Liam. perfect for me it is perfect yeah. but the problem is when you're starting out it is tough. It is tough. It yeah. was brilliant. Why did you take that up? So, so I suppose my very, very first foray into anything mindful or yoga related and like that was when I was in final year okay. in my undergrad. And I did an undergraduate in psychology, which I really enjoyed. But there's a whole piece around how if you want to get onto clinical psychology, you have to get a first in your undergrad. Oh. So it's a very competitive field. Right. Um, so I found myself under massive pressure when I was in final year and was really stressed and was looking back now like pushing myself way too hard but I um as a present for Christmas my parents bought me a course in transcendental meditation oh I've heard of that yes yes right do you know what it was life-changing it just was absolutely fabulous and it was the first time that I really felt a part of my brain kind of I could defrost a part of my own brain do you know yeah. I, I, so I was doing it twice a day I don't do it as much anymore because I, there's other things that I do now as well to take care of myself but I just thought it was brilliant 
really brilliant. Um, and then kind of as I went on, I was I went away for a year to the Middle East after my undergrad and I was lucky enough to be in Oman teaching teaching junior infants, teaching babies, just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I ended up finding a really, really incredible CrossFit um, oh, club over there. Right. Got involved with them, and I suppose, I think a lot of girls in growing up in the Republic of Ireland anyway, have less input around sports and less information on the benefits for your body and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. than boys do. And and I think it is changing but I know that when I grew up I, I wasn't really that aware yeah. of you know nutrition or how I could be taking care of myself best so when I came to CrossFit I felt incredible I'd never lifted weights before do you know I felt great and I loved it so much that I stress fractured my ankle <laughs> <laughs> I okay. went way too hard so I was in it I absolutely loved it I was in it for maybe six months and I stress fractured my ankle through uh, overuse of, of weights and, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, repeated, yeah. it was repeated um repeated use factor so I started doing yoga as part of my rehabilitation there right. and I was I've been really lucky I was really lucky the guy who was teaching the yoga he was from India which is the birthplace of yoga mm -hmm. and he was incredible and for me I'm very my mind moves very quickly so I'm always injuring myself by going too hard too fast okay. and then so this was really interesting because it was a different type of strength it was a really slow um, kind of you have to be very mentally disciplined to build up your balance to build up the kind of core that you need to be able to hold those yoga poses yes so it was like almost tolerating the distress of not moving quickly mm -hmm. because I find it difficult to be still you know and man you should have seen the ways that he could bend he was like a little pretzel he was incredible <laughs> so I was like I want to be like that so having so I spent a year in the Middle East and came across those fabulous people and learned loads and there was something in it as well about finding your tribe. I know there's a lot of research around the mental health benefits of, you know, finding like-minded people and yes. spending time and learning from those kind of people and really feeling like you fit in. I'm like, I remember on Friday mornings in Muscat, we would, there, there was a running club that I was part of when I was over there and we would get up at maybe half past five to go for the run because it's so feckin' hot over there they had to of run course, early yeah. you know, yeah. and, just, and it was just people from like there were teachers there were lawyers there were hotel managers there were people you know from all walks of life and they just wanted to go for a run and we'd, yeah. off we go you know we'd do our 10k along the beach and we'd all sit around then on the beach and have coffee there was a costa uh, I don't love cost coffee, but the whole scene was lovely. Of course, you know? yeah. And we'd yeah. all sit down and we'd just chat. And there were people who had run full marathons, who had run halves, and I hadn't, you know, I was kind of only just starting to get into fitness and yeah. that kind of thing at that stage. So in terms of meeting people in education and feeling like I fit in, it was huge. Do you know, it was That's really amazing. huge. It was incredible. Yeah. And I had come from an Irish culture where I think people do drink a lot. And to socialise, it's really important that you can hold your drink. And, that you can, <laughs> and I would have found that quite difficult I suppose because drink doesn't really suit me yeah. do you know like I get really bad hangovers it doesn't take a lot to get me drunk and it just really drains me yeah. so I do love a glass of Malbec do you know but it was it was amazing for me to discover a way to socialise without having to go out and have you know 14 vodkas or whatever 14. <laughs> <laughs> not that I would have 14 vodkas but you know when you're a student and you're, of course. So it was great it was lovely um, and I was meeting really inspirational people that I was learning a lot from so then came back to Ireland and had decided that I was always really interested in mental health decided that I wanted to become a clinical psychologist 
Um, and in order to do that, you need to get lots of experience as an assistant psychologist. Okay. Um, and because of the way the health service is run in the Republic, and specifically mental health services, there's it's a bit of a mess at the moment. So at that point, assistant psychologist posts that you needed, you needed to have the experience to get onto the doctorate. So they didn't, they don't pay them. They're unpaid oh, posts. Right, okay. So I found myself working, I was working in the children's hospital at the time under an, an incredible neuroscientist. Um, and I was learning loads, but actually I wasn't being paid for the work. Um, so money was really tight and I found that running is free. And that's when I started running properly. And regrettably CrossFit in Dublin was, I, I, there was no way that I could afford it, you know, so I had to find another way of um, kind of staying well I suppose so I yep so I did my clinical experience over the space of three years and did a master's in applied psychology and learned loads and was you know really lucky to work with um, work under some really good supervisors and I learned an awful lot um, and then my final year in a clinical setting was in um, a psychiatric hospital um, in Dublin um, and it was really really interesting work and I there's a model that we would have used for a lot of the group interventions called compassion focused therapy. Right. And it's based on evolution and attachment theory and that type of thing, but a lot of it is that as humans, we exist between these three different systems. So you have your soothe system, and you have your threat system, and you have your drive system. And people whose minds work really quickly uh, they often flip between threat and drive and it was one of the first times I was like oh my god I do this all the time <laughs> all the time so you know if I'm feeling stressed I'll drink more coffee so I can go of faster because yes. I love the feeling of being in drive or whatever um, and as well one of the groups that we were using that model as an intervention for was um, an eating disorder group so I was working in, as an assistant psychologist on that and I just thought that it was fascinating that there was such a disconnect between mind and body yeah. in a lot of those clients. Um, and I feel like in life, an awful lot of people who are moving very quick, I think we all move very quickly these days, just the way things are. Um, I think a lot of people do probably experience or embody that disconnect an yes. awful lot. So it was that year that I kind of got really back into yoga you know and as well I was lucky enough to be paid so I wasn't on the dole and I wasn't oh, doing right. loans and my master's had was finished so I had some extra time and I was being paid a wage which was wonderful Brilliant. um so I could afford to go to really good yoga classes and it just was taking me out of my you know flitting between drive and threat and bringing back in some more soothe so that was fabulous and then as well I could really feel myself becoming more grounded mm. um, and then because I was working with that population I suppose there's a lot of research that has been done um, around the benefits of becoming safely embodied for mental health um, so I suppose a lot of research into therapy looks at talking therapies so oh yes cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy or even compassion books therapy it's all kind of it's talking and there's this really seminal book by a guy called Bessel van der Kolk and it's called the body keeps the score and it's about how even if you talk through things if you've experienced a trauma your body will hold that and if you don't work it out physically you'll continue to carry it with you right 
so a lot of research is it's it's really promising it talks about kind of decreasing your physiological response to stress and to flashbacks of trauma and that kind of thing um, there's another woman called Deirdre Fay, and she has developed this really interesting model um, and it's kind of an attachment uh, and safety embodiment type thing and it's around um, working with trauma as well but she had actually experienced her own trauma and had gone through years of talk therapy and you know was still experiencing PTSD and still hadn't properly processed the whole thing so she ended up going to India and spending years in an ashram in a yoga center um, and she processed all of her own trauma through movement and found that really worked for her yeah um, so I was hearing about all these really fascinating interesting people do you know uh, I don't know if you've heard of Amy Cuddy have you no so no she did really interesting research on power posing so um, she looked at the animal kingdom right. and so amongst apes and this kind of stuff there's a couple of power poses that have been identified so you can't you're not gonna be able to see on the podcast now but <laughs> when you have your hands behind your head uh and that's kind of a real dominance or standing with your hands on your hips and your feet kind of spread apart and your back straight and becoming bigger those kind of um postures of dominance were associated with leaders in groups oh right. um so she did this study and found that people who assumed these postures for a set period of time had a decrease in their cortisol levels which is your stress hormone yeah and an increase in your testosterone levels men and women which is associated with leadership and feelings of being in control and competency and self-efficacy and these type of things so and conversely there are other postures that are associated with not feeling great so in the way sometimes if you're in a if you're having a difficult day or you're stressed or you're feeling a bit depressed you might you know slump your shoulders forward and put your hand behind your neck and and so the inverse was true in terms of cortisol and testosterone for those poses yeah. fascinating um so there's this whole piece around how actually your body is feeding back to your brain you know so you're thinking i'm really stressed and then you automatically do one of those postures subconsciously and then that exacerbates your stress response or your feeling of inefficacy or you know um so i thought all this was fantastic and really interesting and it was um things we would have worked i would have been an assistant to psychologists who were working with clients with psychosis as well and they were bringing these kind of skills around you know how you stand when you're feeling bad if you're feeling if you're having a difficult day you know spreading your shoulders and taking a few minutes to put your hands on your hips and because actually it sounds ridiculous and it feels ridiculous but actually the science is there you know i've actually heard of that one before the one with the hands and the hips yes i have heard of, but the one behind with the hands behind the head that to me looks like you're just pure chill you're about to fall asleep do it do it now right do it now you put your hands behind your head and it's just in a group if it, often you see it in a group setting um it's kind of you're making yourself bigger and you're opening through your chest and actually your levels of cortisol are decreasing and you're you know so it's it's it's, it's fascinating so now if i have a job interview or if i have a you know a, that's what you go to the bathroom and i'll stand here for a few minutes i'll feel good about myself i thought you want to do it in the interview <laughs> but really interesting stuff so I did yes yeah, so I spent that year learned an incredible amount about you know about 
different helicopter models but also about myself and my own values and what suits me yeah um and i i know that i take a huge amount from the people that i come across and that i surround myself with which was which is brilliant in some ways but then as well i suppose in a clinical setting if people aren't so well yeah. i'm like a sponge and i kind of suck up their distress um and i think that some people are really good at detaching from that mm-hmm. but i feel like i carried a lot of it and yeah. by the end of those three years in different clinical placements it didn't matter that i had brilliant supervision during my time in you know in the psychiatric hospital it, and it didn't matter that i was you know you know running to and from work and i was going to yoga actually that just wasn't a good fit for me and it was re- a really difficult point in my life because i had worked so hard to get to a place where my clinical application was strong and i had a good chance of getting on this doctorate that i wanted to get onto you know and it was kind of everything to that point had been lead you know i'd been really um so it was one of those moments where i was like shite (laughs) oh no so it was was a really difficult time to kind of come to define me all of my work in clinical and stuff had come to define who I was so I uh, had applied for a few different clinical doctorates and was going through the you know the interview process and those kind of things and I ended up withdrawing all of my clinical applications and withdrawing from all the interviews and saying this actually isn't right for me long term this isn't going to be benefit it's not going to benefit me you know um did you find that out though good you found that out that do you know what i don't know where i would be today if i hadn't taken a bit of a leap there because it was a real crossroads of my life and i just wasn't sure what to do and i had so much support in terms of preparing for clinical interviews and getting onto this really competitive course so i had a really you know i was i had the supports and the experience that i had a good chance and i put in the groundwork but yeah it just i was lucky in that i had the support as well from my family and a lot of really good friends to say actually you know what this isn't a good fit mm-hmm. you know back to the drawing board what are we going to do now so i i have been in dublin for those few years because that's where a lot of the psychology jobs that were available were yeah um so i moved back in with my parents in wexford they were delighted to see me. They were even more delighted when I announced that I was going to spend all of my savings on going to India to train as a yoga teacher. Oh, they right. were just absolutely thrilled, yeah. <laughs> Not. Um, so I moved home in July. And then that I spent the summer working with kids with autism because I've always loved working with kids. Um, and uh, so, you know, doing a bit of work there. And then off I went in September. Uh, still had no no idea what I was doing. You know, it was all very touch and go. Um, but I said, sure, feck it. You know, go for broke. Off I went and I spent a month, I spent 30 days in Goa um, training as a yoga teacher. And it was just, it was really tough. And I'm not going to be like, oh, like it was a, you know, it was an, it was an incredible experience. Yeah. But it was really hard. And you're kind of spending a lot of time with yourself. Um, so... And as well, it was kind of the back arse of nowhere. And it was on the beach and it was fabulous, but it was really rural. Wi-Fi was really poor, so we didn't have your phone a lot. I think a lot of the time we distract ourselves with scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through whatever, reading articles or checking the news. And suddenly that option wasn't there. So we were doing four hours of yoga every day. And then also we would spend maybe an hour meditating um, so it's a lot of time in silence, mm-hmm. a lot of time in silence, and then you'd have lectures on alignment and anatomy and that kind of thing. So it was incredible learning, but it was really intense. Oh, it's uh, really, really intense, and it was just 
the most, I think the most valuable thing I have ever done in terms of, you know, what I take from every day now. Mm -hmm. um, and being in tune with when I'm distracting myself too much, when there's something that I need to sit down and have a look at. And even the difference between being busy and being having clarity and being focused. Do you know, because I think that you can spend a lot of time being very busy and doing lots of different things, but actually, what's your goal? Like, are you, you know, which are the most important emails to send first? And, yeah. you know, just passing the time. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So being meaningfully busy uh -huh. or being less busy and doing more meaningful things. Exactly. Um, and so I just, I found it absolutely fabulous. And then as well, I suppose. I take any yoga class that I go to I take so much from it myself and I do try to get get in there two or three days a week for somebody else to, you know yes. to give me a yoga class to get in somewhere there's a really brilliant studio called the Flow Studios in Belfast oh, yeah. yeah been there oh, they're so good <laughs> so good and there's one really there's one on the way to the library so uh, it, it works out really that's well right. yeah, that's, yeah that's right because yeah. you look oh, that's right yeah, sure, right, so right close. Close yeah that's it yeah so it's great um, but hold on you get lost very easily don't you I get lost hard <laughs> <laughs> we were going to record this podcast in Botanic Gardens. Stop! And you got lost in Botanic Gardens. I that did. Right? I was I, yeah. So I was in the gym this morning, and I usually go from the gym to my home, which is very close by, to the library, and that is the triangle. So going a different direction, Botanic Gardens was a, bit a to B and B D C is fine, but going A to C. Oh man! Oh here. Got lost. So it was late. Was late for the city because. I, I was lost in the Tannic Gardens. And anybody who knows me will say yes, she's lost all the time. Oh dear, Well, obviously, we're not recording it there because I was very cold, weren't you? It, yeah. It's actually bought. It's it. <laughs> it is so cold, and I was saying, do you know what? I wouldn't last an hour out here. No. It's beautiful, though, and oh, it's absolutely it stopped amazing, really. it? I mean, But even on the way over, we were chatting, and you'd said something that was fascinating about the, remember the R going back and they are going forward yeah yeah what was that about again because so, I thought that was very very interesting I think this is fascinating mm. so there's this, there's this guy called Matthew Walker mm -hmm. he's absolutely fabulous and he's a neuroscientist and all of his work he has a sleep centre and all of his work is on the impact of sleep and he is obsessed with the impact of sleep on all of these different facets of our well-being and functioning so his research has loads of applications for you know mental health and Alzheimer's and physical health and actual fitness so he has a book called Why We Sleep and he does a really uh, he's there's a few really really good interviews with him out there but something that really struck me was because I always need my eight hours and if I haven't had eight hours I get weird and I get tetchy so so this is yeah it's all very interesting to me but uh, he looked at the impact of the clocks changing on the incidence of cardiac arrest so basically in America, uh, when the clocks go forward and we lose an hour, do I have that right? I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> checking myself. Uh, he found that the incidence of cardiac arrest in the following 24 hours increases by 24%. And on the flip side of the year, when we gain an hour, the incidence of heart attacks in America um, aggregately decreases by oh yeah decreases by 26 percent so it's too much a coincidence it couldn't be a coincidence oh there's no, no way no. there's no way and if you look at his research it's like really good quality compelling stuff mm. and i mean it's i'm not a neuroscientist so i find it you know hard to verbalize maybe what he has found but he when he speaks about it in interviews 
I would say to everyone to go and look up Matthew Walker and listen to him because it just has so many applications and the way he talks about it is so uh, accessible mm. if you're not like That's I'm not amazing. a neuroscientist oh, that is amazing. fabulous yeah. fabulous work no, we'll have to put that in there because whenever we're chatting the way over I thought no no we have to say that you oh know. yeah oh sure look at any excuse for me to get to bed a bit earlier and <laughs> make a hot water bottle I will take that oh yeah. very good very good so it's great well now you see obviously we always focus this sort of progress back to the mental health side of yeah. things. What so have you any like tips that you think would help in the line of mental health? Mm. Anything at all that you do that helps you or any sort of recommendations wow. that you think of? Because one simple one that I always say, very, very simple, very straightforward, sounds silly, is as soon as you get up in the morning, go outside. Walk for two minutes, get fresh air, and, and that's it. Now that sounds so straightforward, so simple, but most things are simple. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so anything like that. I find I was telling you before we came on that I found myself really busy on Wednesday, and it was just between assignments and triathlon and teaching yoga. I was just so busy, and whenever I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, the first thing that I do is name it. And I think it's such a strength to be able to say, I am overwhelmed at the moment. I need to, because when you name it, it kind of gives you permission to say no to some things and to take a bit of space. So the very first thing that I would do is name it. And there's research that says as well that when you label your emotions, they get smaller. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. So not being ashamed of, you know, and especially this time of year, like it is so dark and rainy a lot of the days and I think that does impact a lot of people impacts mood so the first thing that I would be saying is to name it and if you do have somebody like I have a fabulous friend that I met here and she is so stable and sound whenever I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed I say oh look can we go for a coffee or a decaf coffee or a, do you know so taking the time to slow down and really even like there's a lot of research as well that says that even the act of talking through you know saying to somebody else and feeling heard is massively beneficial for your mental health just the release just the release yeah. and just not feeling alone in it mm -hmm. i think because everyone everyone experiences that sometimes um so that is the first thing and then as well i think that all of your basics are so important um, so I was saying that yesterday, uh, when I get busy, I push harder and I drink more coffee. So yesterday I had a no coffee day, no coffee at all, um, because I've been going too fast. So, and it was, it was impacting my sleep. So when I'm really busy or when I'm feeling a bit blue or overwhelmed, it's really important that I'm getting eight hours. And those are the times when I find it most difficult to get eight hours cause I don't have time, have drunk too much coffee. So going back to your basics, like getting enough sleep, um, eating well, because I know I eat a lot of peanut butter when I'm stressed, and some peanut butter is good, and some refined sugar is fine, but like too much of it, that's yeah, also going to impact you. So I do think it's the basics, talking to somebody, checking in on your sleep and your caffeine intake, eating well, do you know, and that doesn't mean like, you know, not having carbs or not having, it means having more vegetables. I'm a big proponent of, instead of reducing things, increasing things. So having more vegetables, having more fruit, drinking more water, instead of saying, you know, I need to eat less Mars bars or whatever. I think it is it is easier to eat better when you are eating more. Of course, of that's yeah, what I find. Yeah. Um, and then as well, I suppose, 
it's knowing what works for you so there's an awful lot of research set that says that mindfulness is really helpful and you know taking a few moments to breathe sometimes I am so busy and stressed that I actually can't get there and I find it really difficult right. it's something that I've battled with I find it difficult to like sit and count my breaths or sit and listen to the trees you know blowing in the wind and, and I think all of that stuff is really helpful for some people but that doesn't always work for mm -hmm. me and for me that's where physical exercise and yes. yoga comes in okay. you know so I think it's linking in with somebody checking out the basics like your sleep and your nutrition making sure that you know at the simplest level you're taking care of yourself that way and then having that added you know I think physical activity is just of course it's so central I think definitely, definitely yeah and there's always even like there's some brilliant like free um what's that guy he has the curly hair and he does all of those uh Joe Wicks <laughs> very positive man but uh, there's like 20 minute workouts yeah. do you know and if I'm really stressed and I don't have time I'll go in and I'll do 20 minutes of interval sprints on the treadmill and then that's it such a, or I'll stay at home do you know and I'll do 20 minutes of Joe Wicks in my pyjamas and even if you don't have time I always always feel so much better after it um, and things like yoga like I think I went into a yoga class on Wednesday and I was saying I don't have time for this you know and I found it really hard to lie on the mat I found it really really hard and those type of things that slow you down I always think that it is when you feel when I feel like I have the least time to slow down is when I most need to slow down and when I go to yoga and someone else is just telling me what to do I am most effective after that I am way more effective after that than if I had just you know battled on through and had four more coffees I am it, it's it's transformational and it makes your brain kind of it gives you clarity and it makes you less reactive I think um, so in terms of keeping the show on the road and keeping things going having those kind of things be habits for me is really important so today I'm having a great day you know very sunny had one coffee this morning got to the gym feel great but it's really important that if tomorrow I'm not having a great day or I'm stressed or I have loads of assignments due or whatever um, that because it's a habit I'm still gonna get up and go to the gym yes you know so so you know making those physical pieces a habit so that it's not such a stretch for you to get in there when you're already stretched I think that's really important as well so you're telling me you're not jealous of my Ferrero Rocher coffee? I, I might go and get a decaf first of that. Because <laughs> I, I do love refined sugar. It does sound oh, incredible. It was amazing. Yeah. I have to say. I have to say. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. That was brilliant. Thank you. That nice? That's it. Oh, great. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. grand. Oh, that was sure three hours. Did you not know that? <laughs> sure, I'm just glad to have someone to listen to. I talk for Ireland. <laughs> well hopefully we'll do oh, it again thanks soon thanks for having oh, no me problem yeah that was already. brilliant no yeah i really enjoyed it thank you <laughs>